Okay, so uh, we're starting this new Refua Lunch and Learn. It's going to be monthly. It's going to be in um, the honor of the Refua Shalema of Razel Bas Miriam and of uh, Rivka Bas Yosefa. And um, interesting that we're starting this Lunch and Learn today <laughs> because A, it's a fast day. So um, many people are not gonna be having lunch today. And it's Tainus Esther. And I chose to anyway continue with purposely doing it today because a fast day in itself is called an eight ratzon, an auspicious moment. And on top of being an auspicious moment, it's an auspicious moment in the month of Adar which in itself is an auspicious month. It's the month of mazal, of good fortune. And on top of that, this is the fast that was actually instituted by a woman, by Queen Esther. So I decided that we should start this new thing, this new uh, platform, specifically on this day. So the title that we had for today, I'm sorry, I just wanna shut off my phone. Um, the title that we have for today is the, the Mordechai and Esther, a family matter. Okay, so let's go ahead and discuss a little bit of why I picked that topic before I share with you an amazing teaching of the Rebbe. So, number one, this holiday is a holiday of family. If you look in the closing chapter, when you see how Esther requested that this holiday be, be um, celebrated and remembered, she writes clearly that it should be celebrated mishpacha, mishpacha. Mishpacha is the word for family. On top of that, very interesting, I remember, those are my years in 770, and... The Rebbe at that time was having on satellite TV his Fabrengans broadcasted. Not all of them, obviously only the weekday ones and specific ones. And Rabbi Krinsky at that time asked the Rebbe, he would always ask the Rebbe mission, which Fabrengans he could broadcast onto satellite TV. And he asked about the Rebbe's birthday, which is just less than a month. And the Rebbe said that for his birthday, he'll be Fabrengian on Shabbat. So he asked the Rebbe again, what's about the Purim Fabrengian? Can he broadcast the Purim Fabrengian? And the Rebbe answered then that the Purim Fabrengian is with the Mishpacha. It's with the family. It's not something to be broadcasted. And it's interesting because, you know, as I contemplate on that answer, I mean, at, at that point, the Rebbe, for reasons was stopping to broadcast his Fabrengans on the uh, satellite TV. Actually, after that, there was no more. And what's interesting is that the Rebbe said that Purim is with the family. And what I learned out from this is that actually the Rebbe is not talking about just the biological family, because biologically, the Rebbe's wife, the Rebetzin, would not be by that Fabrengan. And biologically, the Rebbe had no children. So when the Rebbe said that 
Shabbat, that Purim, the Fabrengen is with the family, obviously the Rebbe was talking about his spiritual family, his children, his Hasidim. But nevertheless, the wording of the Rebbe was that Purim is a Fabrengen from the family. And we all understood clearly that the Rebbe was building on that request of, of um, Esther that it be a family holiday. On top of that, Mordechai and Esther was family. Mordechai and Esther were, simply speaking, uncle and niece. And there is also a teaching of our sages that says that not only was he an uncle and a niece, but he actually took her as a wife. He brought her up and he took her as a wife. Now, just that you know, um, according to the Torah, an aunt and a nephew is a forbidden um, marriage, while an uncle and a niece is a permissible marriage, and it's actually called a mitzvah. So this was really family. It was family in the sense of uncle and niece, and according to one opinion, it was family in the sense of husband and wife as well. And hence, there's a far deeper meaning to what it means when the Megillah says that Esther, even in Achashverosh's house, was faithful to Mordechai. Now, being that it is a family, Mordechai and Esther family, we're going to go back to a question which is really hard to understand. When Esther is told by Mordechai through a, a messenger that there's a decree against the Jews, what happens? Mordechai tells Esther some very, he says, you, she says, he says, this is the moment. This is the moment in which God had orchestrated that you should be the queen so that you can go now to the king and you can go ahead and save your people. Now, Esther says back, but I can't go because there's a rule. Anyone who for 30 days was not requested, his presence or her presence was not requested by the king. And therefore, if they show up, they'll be showing up unannounced. Therefore, it's punishable by death. The only way out is if the king will save the person's life by reaching out his scepter in which the person then touches the head of the scepter and will not die. So now she responds, you want me to go, but for 30 days already, I wasn't requested for whatever reason, she would always request my presence for 30 days now has not requested my presence, which created a new category in which AI may not appear before the king until he requests for me. And if I do appear, it will be with, with a death penalty unless he goes ahead and saves, and saves me with compassion and reaches out his scepter. Now, the next response is what I want to focus on for a moment. Mordechai responds back to Esther when Esther is saying that she cannot go. And I read to you, it's in 
chapter 4, verse 13. Vayomim Mordechai and Mordechai said to reply to Esther, do not imagine that you will be able to escape in the king's palace any more than the rest of the Jews. The Megillah specifically told us that Mordechai told Esther not to reveal that she's Jewish. Hence, Achashverosh does not know that she's Jewish. So Mordechai is letting her know, don't think that you're going to be able to escape the decree upon all your people just because he doesn't know yet that you're Jewish. And then listen to the next line. For if you persist in keeping silent as a, at a time like this, relief and the real deliverance will come to the Jews from some other place. Obviously, we have this saying, God has many ways, many messengers through which to bring about that which he wants brought about. However, while you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether it was just for such a time as this that you attained the royal position. Now, here is something fascinating. He doesn't just say, you will perish. Mordechai tells Esther, while well, you and your father's house will perish. Now, hold on one second. Esther's father's house is Mordechai. He was her uncle. So what does it mean that you and your father's house will perish? Is it that Mordechai is saying that if Esther won't do this, then he too will perish? All the Jews will be saved, but Esther and her entire family will perish? Now, there's something amazing here. And this is built on a talk from the Rebbe of Blessed Memory. And the Rebbe explains like this. Every Jew comes into this world with two specific purposes. One purpose is the general purpose. And one purpose is an individual purpose. The general purpose of every single Jew is to live a Jewish life, study Torah, and observe the mitzvot, all the mitzvot, that is, those mitzvot, which pertain in the relationship between God and the Jew and those that pertain between a Jew and a fellow Jew, a Jew and a fellow human, a Jew and the world around him or her. All those mitzvot and all the study of Torah, no one can say, well, listen, my job in this world is not to pray, not to study Torah, not to do mitzvot. I have a different calling. No. There's a general calling for each and every Jew, for each and every one of our souls was at Mount Sinai. And we said we will do and we will hear. If you want to take it a level deeper, the soul itself is made up of a spiritual 365 sinews, 248 organs, limbs, which reflect what the Zohar calls the organs, the limbs of the king, which is his mitzvot. So the soul itself, its development, its embodiment, its connection, organ by organ, sinew by sinew, is through mitzvot. The soul's connection, the digesting and becoming one with God is through its study of Torah and 
understanding to the best of its individual capacity, the wisdom and the will of God. For he and his wisdom is one, he and his will is one. So every Jew, the soul that comes down to this world is coming down to find a deeper connection with God than it had in the spiritual planes. And that is specifically down here because here is where God chose to give the Torah so much so that there's a ruling in the Talmud, Torah lo bashamayimhi. The Torah is not in heaven. It was given here to earth and hence the relationship and bond that the soul can have with God unprecedented only through Torah and mitzvot can only happen while the soul is down here in this world. Everything that happens to the soul after it leaves this world is all about the reward for that which it studied and observed in this world. So that is a general purpose and shlichut of every single Jew. However, then the Rebbe went on to say that every single soul also has its individual purpose. And I will share with you one story that we know from the first Lubavitcher Rebbe, then the second Lubavitcher Rebbe, and it was told to us again by our Rebbe. There's an entire book printed by the previous, by the middle to Rebbe, the second Lubavitcher Rebbe, just for one of these souls. And let me share with you what happened. So there was a great, great rabbi, a Chabad Chassid, a follower of the first Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabshner Zalman of Liadi. And one day, the Alter Rebbe, when this person came for an individual private audience, the Alter Rebbe told him, I want you to change your profession. I want you to become a Baal Agola. Baal Agola is the good old fashioned Uber. You would have a horse, you would have a buggy, a wagon, and that's what you did. You drove people. Baal, owner, Agola of a wagon, a taxi driver. And this, this rabbi just went faint. What? I'm going to give up my life of studying Torah and teaching Torah, and I have to learn how to take care of a horse, how to smear the wheels of a wagon. He was just beside himself. But that's what the Alter Rebbe told him, and he was a true chassid of the Alter Rebbe. He went home, and he was very depressed. He knew that he has no choice. He has to listen to what his Rebbe is telling him to do. And his wife asked him, what happened? Why are you so depressed? And he's told her he was crying. He put on his gartel and stood up because that is the Hasidic custom. When you repeat the words of a Rebbe that was told to you, you stand up in respect and you put on your gartel, your prayer belt. And he told his wife what the Alter Rebbe told him. And she being of such deep faith, which it's, it's from the days of Egypt we're taught, that the Jewish women have a far greater capacity of faith in its depth and in its practical, not it's in academic, but in practical experience than men do. And she told her husband, why are you sad? I mean, the universal question that everyone asks is what is my purpose in this world? What is my specific shlichut? You don't have to ask that question no more. Your Rebbe told you that your job in this world is to be a taxi driver. And obviously through being a taxi driver, you're gonna come in contact with so many people 
And you'll be able, obviously, to meet the people that your soul came down here to meet and influence them. How can you do this with sadness? Do this with joy? You now know. You know what God wants from your soul in its most individual, direct manner. He hears his wife and he says, okay. He goes and he starts hanging out with the other balagolas to learn the trade. He doesn't, he doesn't know the first thing on how to take care of a horse. He doesn't know how to smear the wheels. He doesn't know how to make sure anything, oil the wagon. And all of a sudden, rumors starts going on around the whole city. A rabbi lost his mind. A rabbi is hanging out with the taxi drivers and he's learning the trade. He's becoming a taxi driver. But with the support of his wife, he did what the Rebbe told him to do. And he became a taxi driver, no more rabbi. And he would go and he would travel and he would pick up people and then and drop off people. But he had a rule. He said, listen, the Rebbe told me that I should become a taxi driver, but he didn't tell me not to learn and not to dive him. So in the morning, before I take on any clientele, first I'm going to learn. Then I'm going to dive in the way a chas is supposed to dive in, slowly, meditatively, arousing feelings, experiencing feelings. And then after that, whoever needs me, I'm there. And so it was. Interesting enough, this, he, he, the Alter Rebbe passed away. His uh, son, the second Lubavitch Rebbe, became Rebbe. And he's continuing what the Alter Rebbe told him to do. One time he ends up in a kretschma. A Kretschma is a mom and pop type of motel. And he's there. And there is someone who is the son-in-law of the Puritz. The Puritz was the Gentile landowner, which subcontracted the people. And uh, he was the wealthy landowner. And this was his son-in-law. And his son-in-law needs to go. He needs to move on. And he's looking for an Uber. He's looking for a taxi driver. And the guy who owns the Kretschmer tells him that Jew, he, that's what he does for a living. But you can forget about him taking you before he finishes his spiritual service. If you have patience, you'll wait. He said, I have no patience. I got to go. He, he tries to, you know, I'm, I'll offer him double, triple, nothing doing. The guy says, after I finish my studying and my praying, if you want, I'll take you. Now, this guy was becoming furious, but he had no choice. There was no other Uber service. You know, there wasn't, this was before the days of the app. So he goes ahead and he's waiting. And he's waiting in the room of this Balagola. You know, he figures he'll put pressure on him. He'll be there. And all of a sudden he hears the way this chassid is davening. So sweet. A melody, tears. And something in his own soul starts staring. He's a Jew. And what happened was that he was married to a Jewish woman. And one day he just left his wife, went, fell in love with this landowner's daughter, got married, and had two sons. Now, as he hears this chassid davening selflessly, purely, he's starting to become affected. And all of a sudden, his life begins flashing before him. And he starts thinking, what did I do? What did I do? What did I give away for what? How disconnected. And all of a sudden, he starts doing teshuva. 
And after that, he realizes how far he went. He got married, he had children. And, and what's he gonna do? How's he ever gonna come back home? And slowly and surely he is so distraught. He starts building up a fever. He starts going into hysteria. His whole insides are screaming out. Immediately they realize that he's doing it. He's in a very bad position. They had no idea what's going on. So he went, they, they went and they immediately sent someone to the landowner to say, your son-in-law is here and he's very sick. The landowner immediately sends a doctor, a doctor comes, he checks him and he says, he's too sick to move. We have to hope that he'll get stronger here because if we move him now, he'll lose his life. And little by little, this guy, he starts, he wants to talk alone to the chassid. He tells the chassid everything. The chassid realizes that he's doing teshuva and that's why he's going through such a physical reaction. And he tells him to don't stop. Now's your moment, go all the way. And he's encouraging him not to be afraid. God wouldn't let him die because of his teshuva. And slowly and surely there's messages coming back and forth from the palace. And eventually he sees from the events, the chassid sees that it's happening. Hashem is opening up the doors for him to come back home. And the chassid whispers in his ears, your teshuva is being accepted. Continue. One day we will meet again. I have to go. And he left him with the medical care and he goes. One day this chassid is by the Rebbe, which is now the second Lubavitcher Rebbe. He's there for a holiday. And all of a sudden he feels a tap on his back. He turns around, he sees another guy, a chassid, and he says, Shalom Aleichem. Aleichem Shalom. Um, do I know you? Do you know me? He says, you don't recognize me. I'm that person who used to be married to the landowner's daughter. And your davening, your prayers opened up the walls, the gates around my heart. And look at me today. I'm here. I did teshuva. I'm back home. And I'm living a Torah life. Then here's the part of the story I wanted to share with you. And then... When he goes disgusted, when he goes into the Mittel Terebbe to say goodbye, a private audience, the Mittel Terebbe tells him, my father appeared to me today and he told me like this. He made from a rabbi a wagon driver and he's telling me to make from a wagon driver a rabbi, a mentor. You may now give up your your entire being a wagon driver, you can go to this in the city and become the spiritual mentor. The Miltrebbe always wrote his teachings in Hebrew. There's one book called Pokeach Ivrim, Opening of the Eyes, which was in Yiddish. And he wrote this specifically for that person who did teshuva. Now, why am I sharing with you this story? There's a song that was made in camp. You know, in camp, you have color wars with themes. You have to put up a skit. You have to put up a play. And you have all these challenges. And then you also make a song. And they made a song about this story in which the words goes like this. Because the Rebbe has a teaching in his calendar based on this story. For 70, 80 years, 
a neshama wears and tears just to do a favor for another. This man was living his entire mission of Torah and mitzvot. The Alter Rebbe, with his clear holy eyes, saw that this person has an individual mission. His soul came down to this world only because that other soul would get lost and it would be his job to connect with that other soul and bring it back. Hence, the Alter Rebbe said, yes, you're doing your general service, your general purpose in this world, but what's about your specific purpose? the one that God told only your soul to do. I need you to step out of your comfort zone so that you can do your mission. And by him giving up everything and becoming a wagon driver, he was able to meet the soul for which his soul came down into this world. And the minute he accomplished that mission, he was allowed to go back to his general mission of living a spiritual life. Now the Rebbe turns to Esther. And the Rebbe says like this, Mordechai told Esther, yeah, you're living a holy life. Esther set herself up with seven different girls that that took care of her each day so that she would have one special girl always on Shabbat. She kept Shabbat. She kept the Kashrut. She kept everything. She actually was never the one that initiated any marital relations with Ahasuerus because it was forbidden for her. It was only when Ahasuerus initiated, so under the the, the penalty of death, if she wouldn't uh, allow him, that she had any relationships with him. So she lived her entire life in absolute spirituality. And now Mordechai is telling her, I want you to give it all up. Why? Because your household, your soul has a specific purpose. There was a great rabbi in the times, we're talking about on the levels of Maimonide, his name was Rabbi Rabbeinu Nissin. we call him the Ran. The Ran, anyone who studies Talmud eventually gets to study the Ran on the Talmud. And in Tractic Ketubot, he talks about these words. He says that Esther responded to Mordechai very well, Gather together the Jews and fast for me. I too will fast. I will go into the king. And as I will be lost, I will be lost. Simply speaking, the meaning here is that she's now taking a risk that if she goes in and he doesn't reach out the scepter, King Akashvesh won't reach out, she'll be killed. But that's not the wording here. Is a statement of a fact. I will be lost because of what I'm doing. And the Holy Ran explains that this was the first time that she initiated coming to him. As long as she didn't initiate coming to him, she never crossed the line from being a Jew marrying out. But now that she came to Ahasuerus, she was the one to initiate, to entice his love so that she can get him to take away the decree against the Jewish people. She said, I am going to be lost to my nation. From here on, I have been the one to come to him as my husband. And hence, in truth, Queen Esther, in a certain sense, she was lost to her people. Her offspring was Jewish, obviously, because she was Jewish. 
but her grandchildren were not Jewish because her son grew up as a Persian, as the prince of Ahasuerus, who became the next king, who married out, who had children. So Queen Esther did lose her entire general mission of being part of the Jewish people because of her specific mission that she was meant to save the Jews with the ultimate self-sacrifice that she would sever herself from her people. Hence, Mordechai is telling her a very powerful thing. She said, uh, he said to her, our family was chosen for this mission. You were chosen. Now you may choose not to do it. You may choose to say, listen, you know what? It's too much for me. Physically, I may get killed. Spiritually, I'm definitely going to be severed from my people. I don't want this. So you should know that you could do that. And don't worry. The Jews will not be annihilated. There are many emissaries. God will find his way to save his people. However, no, what will be lost is you and the namesake of your father's house. And I believe that here Mordechai was telling her something very, very powerful. Yes, your offsprings will not be from our people. Yes, you will be severed from our people. But know that the namesake of you and your household will be forever within our people. My friends, when Mashiach comes, it says that all the holidays will be experienced like regular days. The only holiday that will forever remain is Purim. All the 24 books of the written law will all become on a lower level compared to the new revelation. However, the book of Esther, the one and only book that doesn't have God's name, that is the one and only book that will eternally be outstanding even relative to the infinite revelations of the times of Mashiach. Hence, Mordechai is answering Esther. Yes, I understand what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to sever you from your family as a Jewish family, you from your people as a Jewish people. I'm asking you to do the ultimate sacrifice. However, know that the reward God has for you is that you and your family will eternally be part of our people. Hence, I share with you, Purim, it's a family matter. My friends, we need to do Torah. We need to do mitzvot. However, there comes a very scary, very difficult moment when one faces their personal challenge for which the soul, their soul came down to this world. And then when that moment comes, Hear Mordechai telling you, yes, you're a good Jew, you're studying Torah, you're doing mitzvahs, and what's happening now doesn't even make sense, but it's what God chose you for. Now is your moment. People, thank you. I'd like to once again wish her a full shalema and dedicate this Torah class, those who are on now, those who will watch it uh, over social media. May it all be in the merit for Razel Bas Miriam and Rivka Bas Yosefa to have a complete 
a speedy and a pleasant full recovery. People, we'll see you all tonight at the Purim party.